HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Domain. Domain offers discreet and secure storage, transportation, trading, and advisory services to passionate fine wine collectors worldwide. For more information, visit DomainStorage.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. You're listening to In the Drink on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I am your host, Joe Campanelli. And uh, before we get started, I'm going to give myself a shameless uh, little plug. Uh, for the last few years, I've been working on making a small line of organic wines in uh, in Italy. Uh, it's called Anona Wines. You can find them at some really great restaurants and retailers, really just in New York for now, but in 2017, we are expanding. We're opening up a couple of new markets. So more news on that to come. But if you want to know... Oh, thank you. Thank you, Dave. Thank you. Uh, if you want to know where to find Anona Wines, you can go to www.anonawine.com. I actually... Uh, uh, my girlfriend Alyssa's in my ear telling me you don't need to say www. I'm sorry about that. Sorry about the extra W's. Um, or you can always email me at joe at anonawine.com to ask me any questions about Anona or in the drink. Uh, if you have any suggestions or questions, get in touch. Why not? Um, all right. So I'm really excited for today's show. We have uh, a, 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 a former neighbor now that I'm not no longer, I'm no longer in the, the West Village, but he oversees the wine programs for uh, three of my favorite restaurants. Um, he's actually the beverage director for Market Table, The Clam, and A Little Owl. Like These are just amazing West Village restaurants that everyone loves. Uh, we have David Giuliano in the studio with us today. Welcome to In the Drink. Thanks a lot, Joe. Great to be here. Um, so you got into the wine industry in maybe not a conventional way. I guess I guess getting into it in not a conventional way is the conventional way to get into the wine industry. <laughs> it seems to be these days, yeah. <laughs> uh, people from all sorts of, of different avenues um, find a passion for wine and get in. But can you tell us the story about uh, what you were doing before becoming uh, the beverage director for this, this great uh, downtown town group of restaurants and, and how'd you get into it? Yeah, for sure. Um, so before I, I, I discovered my passion for wine and, and 
restaurants and food and wine in general. Uh, I was actually an opera singer, um, which seems like a different world, but really so many of the passions align. Um, so it was a very easy and kind of seamless transition. Um, so, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I started working at the Little Owl when I was still singing, mm-hmm. and it was kind of my quote-unquote day job. And, um, and like things do, it just kind of led into a career, and, and the passion shifted from, from singing and that kind of performance to the performance of wine and the passion of that whole world. Yeah, and I, I hear this time and again that there is a an overlap with, with the passions and the interests and, and really uh, musicians from all different walks of life, from you know, Mike D from the BC Boys is a huge wine enthusiast mm-hmm. to yeah. um the you know, one of the the headmen for L C D sound system just founded Four Horsemen, which is like the best place to drink wine in Brooklyn, maybe. Yeah, uh, totally. Um like what what do you think it is about music and wine that, that overlap and what what draws those things together? Well, I think, I think there's a couple of things. Um, for me, I mean, specifically with opera, there was what brought me into that world was a, a love of language because um, you sing in four or five, six different languages on a regular basis, travel, um, and the cultures of all of these different places where these operas were written and take place, um, which is exactly the same thing I do in wine. I work in different languages. I travel to these amazing places, mm-hmm. many of which are the same places where these operas are written. And um, so those passions really aligned. Plus, there's a there's there's a fundamental, and I've talked to a lot of there's actually a lot of us opera singers that have kind of uh, moved into the world of wine. Uh, some of which sell me wine, other psalms. It's kind of fascinating, but all of us seem to agree that there's this uh, there's a similarity be- between the way you think about a voice, the way a voice is balanced and structured, and the way a wine is balanced and structured. Um, high tones, low tones, core. Uh, you know, when the, if there's a great bass voice that's round and, and, and dark and beautiful, but you can't hear it in the back row of the, of the opera house, mm-hmm. it's not balanced. Same with a wine. You know, you, need, you can have a big, round, juicy cab, but if it can't cut through a lamb shank, then it's not balanced. Yeah. Do you find that you're drawn to some of the areas um, from which the, uh, your, your, your favorite opera you know, composers or singers or, or songs that you've sung in, like, I, I'm sure German is big, yeah, uh, yeah. in, in opera and yeah. in, in Italian, obviously. Like, do you find, is there any overlap with your interests there? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm actually Sicilian, uh, by, it, but, well, not by birth, but that's my heritage. So, um, you know, my, my Italian heritage and Sicilian heritage was kind of my gateway into opera as a, as a youth. And, um, and, not coincidentally, I'm sure Italian wines were kind of my gateway into the world of wine. It's the wines I first fell in love with. Um, you know, it's it's. I think it's a wonderful culture for both opera and wine, mm-hmm. and very few cultures do it better than them. Mm-hmm. Oh, that makes that makes a lot of sense. And now uh, you, you were you have this Italian heritage, but you were. Grown, you grew up in California, yeah, right? Yeah, Southern California. And was there any like I, I picture like growing up in California, you know, like the same a similar thing to in Italy, like wine is just all around you, yeah. and it's like idyllic and and perfect. Is, yeah. Like, what were your? Did you have early experiences of wine as a kid as well? Not. I mean, did your, did your parents of, drink wine? Kind of. My, yeah, my parents uh, drank wine in California, obviously. When I was growing up, when the 80s, my parents were getting into to California wine, just mm-hmm. like everybody was in California. 
So um, for me, when my parents would go out of town, um, instead of like throwing a party and drinking Zima, I would like pop their BV Merlots and drink chocolates with it. And I thought that was super cool. So there was definitely wines in the house, and um, we were allowed we were allowed to kind of experiment with them. And we could have a food f- background in our family. We we owned a series of delis uh, or delicatessens in California. So food food and uh, and eventually wine was mm-hmm. a big part of our family's culture. That makes sense. So fast forward, you're at Little Owl, and you're a server. Yeah. Um, and then, like, was there a person who, like, where, where did you go from being a server to beverage director of three? Like, how did you make that leap? Yeah, it, it, was, it was kind of amazing. The, first of all, Little Al is a very special place. Uh, you know, there's only 11 tables. It's a tiny little restaurant. Um, and you, when you work there long enough, the relationships that you build both with the restaurant and with the restaurant's clientele, um, they're quite formative. Um, so I, I started to, we had a, another beverage director at the time, um, but I started to grow a real attachment with the list and, and the very unique uh, wines that we sold. It's an interesting place. You know, we sell, at the Little Owl, we sell more Chocoli and, and, and Anuncio than we do Burgundy. It's a place, we have an adventurous clientele and a lot of one-on-one interaction mm-hmm. between us and the guest. So you really get to guide people in a super unique way. Um, so I was able to learn a lot and get passionate about f- f- kind of through the side door in a very unique way. Um, and then opportunities opened up. Um, I had kind of shown myself as being very interested and kind of a leader in the wine, wine world at the Little Owl. And Joey Campanaro, my, uh, our chef and owner, uh, believed a lot in me and, and, and the rest is, the rest know, is history. Here. Yeah. Uh, you know, I have to say, uh, now we are in January. If it snows again, mm-hmm. uh, I've had some of my, my favorite meals, uh, just the atmosphere of being in the little owl when it's snowing outside on that perfect corner of the West village. It is like the coziest place to be in the world. One thing that Joey, uh, Joey Campanaro and, and Mike Price, uh, his partner, the other chef in our company, um, they have a real eye for corner spots. Uh, all of our restaurants are oh, yeah. are on the corner, huge windows all in the West Village within blocks of each other, and um, I think it's it's part of it's it's just part of the feeling that they want to capture in all of their restaurants. But nothing quite like Little Owl with those panes and it frosts. It's like a Courier Knives uh, uh, card. It's yeah. really beautiful. It's amazing. So okay, so um, was the first step to then be the wine director of the Little Owl, or was there was there this position overseeing the three restaurants, and how did that happen? So yeah, exactly. It started at the Little Owl. Um, the opportunity opened up there. Uh, spent about six months to a year, kind of developing, changing that program, and frankly, just learning, uh, learning how to, learning how to buy, learning how to create a list and um, create both an interesting and unique list and profitable, of course. And then, uh, uh, then the opportunity opened up at Market Table within within that year. Mm-hmm. I took over Market Table about a year later, and then we opened the Clam about six months after that. So it actually happened pretty fast. Pretty cool. um, so there was a there was quite a quite a big learning curve. Um, it was intense and thrilling. How exciting is in those first six months though when you realize, oh wait, I can taste any wine now. <laughs> like now in the buy, I can call any rep and taste 
pretty much, you know, unless it's like something that they they only make like two bottles of. Like I could, yeah. I can taste like all these wines. Yeah, it was really really exciting, especially because I mean to start the Little Al had a pretty small list. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't. It's not a big restaurant. We don't. We keep it around 100, 120 bottles at the most. It's so I was limited to what I knew. So when that st- when that started. I, it, it's, it was exciting and humbling because, you know, people are coming in to sell you wines and, and you say, okay, tell me all about this. I want to learn. And so those first couple years were really about listening and learning and having conversations. I didn't say no to one tasting, one winemaker visit. It was, I was insatiable. Yeah. Um, and it was a great way to learn because it's very, it's very on hands, very practical, but you get to meet a lot of people when mm-hmm. you're open in that way. Now, are you finding that, and I'm sure in this, this new role with Overseeing 3, it probably limits the amount of time that, that you're on the floor, but are you finding that people still have the same level of appetite for learning about the story? I know that, that you really love the stories behind right. behind the wine. Um, do you think that, that there's still that, uh, that uh, interest from the guests to learn about it table side? Absolutely. I, I think it's I think it's one of the things and you've worked in the West Village for a long time. It's a remarkable clientele. Um, so, you know, but uh, I, I think that's one of the things that people come to the clam and market table and, and little out for. Um, and my job has changed a little bit over the years. I used to be on the floor and my assistant, Lisa, who who is still on the floor a lot. Um, you know, that was what we did. And now our job has shifted to kind of inspiring this kind of passion and, and, and zest for storytelling to our staff mm-hmm. because our guests definitely are asking. The little owl, half the times they just look up and hand you the list and say, what am I drinking? Oh, that's great. Um, you know, they, yeah, they, they want to, to have a guided experience. The, the worst thing, I hate it when you see a, a guest like looking at their phone for like tasting notes for something when mm-hmm. you're like, I'm right here. You yeah. can just ask me. <laughs> exactly. Um, so that's great to hear. That, that that that's still happening. Yeah. Um, where are some of the wines? Like, what are some of the stories that inspire you uh, when it comes to wine? Jeez. Um, well, it's there's a lot of exciting things happening in wine right now, as you know, and and so every everything from some of the cool stuff that's happening in Napa and California right now, which is really exciting as a native Californian. Uh, Southern California viticulture has always been super interesting to me, and. Um, and, and just kind of this new movement, this 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 return to balance, all that stuff's very exciting domestically. But like I said, my gateway was Italy, and particularly the wines of Sicily. Mm-hmm. Um, being Sicilian, th- that was something that right from the very beginning I decided to kind of champion, and um, threw a lot of interest into learning and and. Um, focusing on that region those regions yeah and we're in sicily i mean everyone loves etna right yeah everyone loves ariana Occhipinti. yeah are there other sicilian wines that that people should know about yeah um for sure i mean f- my my family's actually from the from the east um oh, actually nice. not far from where ariana is uh, a mountain town called modico where they're known for chocolates and um, so the wines of Victoria are particularly of interest. And who in, I mean, I, I love Ariano Quimenti's wines, but who else in Victoria? Right. There's something like 30 different growers of uh, yeah. Frappato. But I think we know here just a couple. Yeah. A couple that I know here on the market that I really love. Menenti is a fantastic mm, organic so producer. They're really fantastic. Really affordable. Cherisuolo, mm-hmm. the, the only DOCG, as you know. And, and, and uh, they focus on that. I think one of the great classes 
classics is Valle del Acate. Um, it was one of the first Cherisuelos, first repatos I ever had. And I think that she, as a winemaker, has inspired not only Ariana, but a whole, um, whole slew. COS, obviously, Ariana's uncle. The O of COS is mm-hmm. Ocupinti. Um, I think, you know, what they've done with the M4 wines and the, the M4 winemaking and all of that, I mean, that's been huge. Right. Um, Etna's a great... And low alcohol winemaking. Yeah. Isn't that exciting? Like, yeah. Those, those coast wines are like 11.5% alcohol. Right. And it's, it's, it's a warm, sun-drenched area, so it's not easy to do that necessarily. Yeah, to, still to right. keep that restraint. But, um, yeah, those are fantastic wines. I just love the way that narrow... Do you still have family them. there? Or do you, have you got... You know, I don't really know them. Um, yeah. I, I do... There are Giuliano's and Migliori's all around. Giuliano is actually one of the most common names in the, in the phone book there. It's like Jones. Um, so, uh, and many of them I'm related to, but, uh, I haven't really kept strong ties with my family there. Um, but it's the culture and, and the history of it is still a big part of it's our incredible. family culture. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things I wanted. I have Sicilian ancestry too, like to go to the town and find, you know, find someone. Uh, yeah. I heard a story. A friend was telling me recently. I uh, went to the town and oh, like knocked on a door, and there was like his twin. Yeah, and there's some like long lost cousin, but uh, but ended up being his twin. All right. On that note, we're going to take uh, a quick break. We'll be back with more with David Giuliano, the beverage director of the Clam Little Owl and Market Table in the West Village. Right after this. Thanks, Joe. Domain offers discreet and secure storage, transportation, trading, and advisory services to passionate fine wine collectors worldwide. Since 2003, they've focused on making collecting easier and more enjoyable. With over 1.8 million bottles in storage across five facilities, Domain is the largest network of wine storage warehouses in the country. Warehouses are located in Chicago, St. Louis, Metro New York, Napa, and Washington, D.C., with refrigerated shipment hubs in dozens of cities. Their service also extends to the home collector. In the last decade, the team has organized and inventoried more than 1.7 million bottles in home sellers across the globe. Recently, Domain has launched a marketplace where clients can buy and sell wine. Trading in the network ensures that wines are stored at Domain facilities and the commissions are the lowest in the industry. Go to DomainStorage.com to complete an online questionnaire and someone will get back to you within one business day. All right, we are back on In the Drink with David Giuliano of The Clam, Market Table, and Little Owl. And now I really want to focus on The Clam, which is the, the newest of the three. Um, it's the one place that you're able to actually be part of the opening and uh, design that wine list uh, from the start. So tell us about how that process went and what, what, you, uh, what you focused on when you were doing that. Yeah. Um, well, as you know, I mean, that's a, it's an amazing experience to build a wine list from scratch. It's just, uh, it's exciting. Um, you get to uh, not only pick all the wines, but con- create the concept for the list, um, which was particularly fun with this restaurant because of the ingredient that the restaurant is focused around clam. The clam is 
It's a really fascinating and uh, interesting ingredient both to eat but also to pair with. Um, Mikey, Mike Price, Chef Mike Price, and owner of Clam with Joey Campanaro, was, um, you know, presents easily a dozen to a dozen and a half prep, different preparations of the clam. So whether it's raw with that kind of buttery, metallic, unctuous quality or cooked sweet and briny mm-hmm. uh, in, in the shell and a pizza, whatever, it's his, he has a red sauce spaghetti and clams. There's almost no limit to pairing pairing possibilities. So um, creating a wine list for it was interesting and dynamic, and it was just a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, I would think that it's mostly going to be whites and the like coastal briny whites. But Absolutely. have you found some sort of interesting you know pairings with clam that maybe you wouldn't have necessarily thought of at at first? Well, yeah, at, at first I did. I, I created a section actually for the list called Island Whites. Mm-hmm. Um, and because um, to me, just intellectually speaking, you know, wh- why wouldn't you go there first? That's obviously those are the people that eat clams. That's the wine they drink with it. Uh, let's create this time and place. It's the ultimate kind of terroir pairing. Um, so that's that was a fun, fun thing to explore the wines, of course, because Sardinia and Greece, of course, um, I usually don't put Sicily on the island. I think of it kind of as a separate thing. Um, it's a country. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's too big and too diverse Mm -hmm. to be put in just an island section Uh, there's just too much going on fair enough it's it's the largest island in the mediterranean so that's fair enough yeah absolutely um but outside of that i I have a section i call the uh off whites which is my skin contact white section i've I've not always i don't really love the term orange wine Mm -hmm. i feel like it terrifies people a little bit it's misleading and you're finding so many now that are uh, that aren't orange in color at all. Exactly. Or are just really, just maybe they look like a white wine, just a little bit deeper. Right. And I mean, it's a term that covers a broad spectrum of wines. Some are skin, have two weeks of skin contact and mm-hmm. some are seven months buried in someone's backyard in an amphora. Like, so, so what covers all of those to me, to speak of their color is appropriate, but really it's about talking about their quality and their structure and the phenolics and all, all of the fantastic things that make them mm-hmm. unique. Um, they go really well with clams. Really? Uh, yeah. Even the like seven month ones? Yeah. Like, get yeah. out of here. Well, um, you know, I've found that, that, yeah, some of them still retain a real delicate, a delicate nature. Mm-hmm. Um, there's uh, an, Aust- an Austrian producer that does an amphorvine uh, from Chardonnay and Sauvignon Blanc uh, in his backyard that is so ethereal, so delicate, but has this beautiful briny note that goes so well with raw, raw clams. It's unbelievable. Oh, wow. Is it Ott? Ott is doing some amphora wine. No, it's Verlich. Verlich. Yeah. yeah. Huh. He is the brother of, of Chepe. They're a fantastic winemaking family down in the in Styria. Um, super exciting stuff. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. And then, so you have these island wines, you have some orange wines, any, any red wines on that list that, that you would like, maybe with the red sauce? Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, we, I would say a third of the list is, is red. It's a decent yeah. section. Um, and I, when I was putting it together, I was focusing on high acid and strong mineral, mineral-driven reds. I, I felt like the structure and the brightness and that kind of liveliness and lift was important with the menu. Um, but we do have stuff like sh- short ribs right now on the menu. It's not, it's not a strictly seafood menu. Yeah. So um, it was important to have the full array of, of red selections as well. But I focused a lot on kind of lower, uh, high-acid, low-tannin Italian wines, which aren't the easiest to find, uh, and a lot of red burgundy. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's a section we have a lot of fun with. Do you, I mean, do you ever 
never get someone who like I'll have you know raw like a dozen raw clams to start and like the biggest most intense red wine. It certainly happens. Um, I, I I just usually try to steer them somewhere else or just grit my teeth and open the bottle. But yeah, we. I mean, I I'm. I, 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 there's not a single wine on that list that I'm not very proud to serve. And if you want to drink California Cabernet with oysters, go for it. Go for it. Yeah, at uh, at Lertuzzi, uh, when uh, when Gabe was working the pass, um, uh, and he saw someone order like fluke crudo and a big bottle of red wine, he mm-hmm. he would always make sure he's like, I don't care. Like you're pouring them some white wine. <laughs> and we'd always like pour them some and say the, game, the chef just wanted you to have a little white wine just as a gift. Like not to say you're drinking the wrong wine, right? Right. To be very careful about that. But um, yeah, that would always just like it would grate at him so yeah, much. Yeah, I, I I like that a lot. I, I'll give that a try. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so tell us about some of your travels. So you were you're in Sicily recently. You're in Corsica as well. Yeah, that's a place I've never been. I've been, I've been really curious to go there. I went to Corsica last year. Well, Sardinia last year, Corsica the year before, and Sicily the year before that. So I've kind of been. I wanted to focus on these islands because they just fascinate me. Um, I think it's some of the most interesting and unique winemaking. Mm-hmm. And um, I enjoy introducing people to these re- regions. So um, Corsica was fantastic. Um, it's super interesting terroir-wise, 75% mountainous. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's lots of microclimates. It's terrifying to drive around. Um, but uh, Nialuccio is a, a great grape, Sangiovese, Sangiovese relative, or maybe not even relative, probably identical. And um, and beautiful Ferentino. It's a stunningly beautiful place. Cool. And how is it different from Sardinia? I mean, they're so close to each other. Um, totally different. Totally um, different. Tell us. I mean, Sardinia is also a place I find really interesting. I've never been to. That I feel like there's so much promise uh, yeah. there. Um, it's it's also it's nearly as big as Sicily. I think. Right. It's just a touch smaller. Just a touch um, smaller. And there, the amount of producers that I think are making really exciting wine, or at least that I that I know of, that I've tasted before, is very very minuscule. Yeah. Whereas like in Sicily, there's ton of interesting producers yeah did you like were you surprised at all did you did you go in with a with a vast knowledge of, of sardinia wines not really I, I mean um probably no more exposure than anybody else mm-hmm. i mean we don't get a lot of it in the market and it's mostly vermentino and galura and um and it, what was interesting about sardinia and how it was different than both sicily and corsica is it's it's not different there's not a lot of difference of terrain we drove from the north to the south, back up to the north. We covered a lot of ground. And I, I don't even think we we went over a hill. Like, it's very, very flat from what I saw. And so that, that obviously creates a much different uh, terroir and terrain and, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and environment for grape growing. So it's just, it, to me, it seems like a lot of ripeness, a lot of, you know, they tend to have higher alcohol than the wines of Sicily and, and, and Corsica. Um, but there's also a beautiful opulence and great minerality. It's an almost entirely granitic island, mm, okay. um, whereas Corsica's highly volcanic and obviously Sicily's highly volcanic. Um, there's very, it's uh, Sardinia is not a volcanic island. Mm, interesting. Um, so it it truly is unique. And um, but Corsica and uh, Sardinia are interesting because they're really just playing with a few varietals. Unlike Sicily, um, you know, it's really mostly about one red with a couple of uh, cameos with some other smaller, uh, lesser-known grapes, and one white, Vermentino, both on Corsica and, and Sardinia. But Sicily, you know, 
has a, a, a wide range of both terroirs and and varietals. Right. Um, the island's just about the same size as, as Sardinia. There's just so much more diversity. Did you make it up to like the northwestern part of Sicily, like near Trapani and Marsala and over there? No. I, I went there years and years ago, and I think that that might be like the next frontier of, yeah. of Sicilian wine. I've had a couple of interesting wines from over there. I'd love to go visit Marco de Bartoli, um, oh, yeah. who's like just you know still like waving the flag of of, of Marsala. Yeah. Um, have you read that book Palmento by Robert Camuto? I have it. I haven't read it. That is an outstanding book. Yeah. Anyone I know is like going to Sicily, like read this read this book, especially if you if you love wine. Um, I identified with it a lot more than his other book, Corkscrew because mm-hmm. I knew all the, you know, you'll know all of the, the producers or many of the producers in Palmetto, and he just tells the stories yeah. just, just really, really well. It's interesting to talk about Marsala. People, most people don't know it's a Sicilian wine. Um, they don't even know that it's not just a cooking wine. Um, so there's, there's a lot to talk about there. I, f- frankly, I'm more fascinated by kind of the single varietal uh, wine productions from the grapes of Marsala. Mm-hmm. You know? um, when I was there... I drank Inzolia for the first time just by itself. And, um, you know, I knew it as a blending grape in Marsala, but to, to discover Inzolia as a coastal wine in the south in Memphis, um, it's just interesting. I don't necessarily think Marsala at this point is a wine that's greater than the sum of its parts. Like, really, the, all these Grillo and Insolia and Catrata, all these wines, um, it's the, single, vine- the, the single, single varietal productions of these grapes that are interesting me the most, at least right now. Yeah, yeah. And, I, you know, we actually are running low on time, but I just want to ask you about the uh, – you have some interesting cocktails on your, on your list yeah. as well. I know that's something that you've had a little bit more interest in lately as well, kind of diving into that. Yeah. Um, can you tell us about, about what you're doing with the cocktail programs. Yeah, I mean, they're diff- uh, we don't have liquor at the Little Owl, but at the Clam uh, and Market Table, and they're, they're very different. Um, a market table, it's very, just like the restaurant, it's very market-driven, mm-hmm. um, where whatever ingredients they have in the kitchen uh, is what we're trying to utilize in the cocktails. Um, so that keeps it very fun, very fresh. There's always cocktail specials every night. Um, we, try to, we try to treat them very much like a food uh, and, and a market-driven sort of thing. Um, the clam, it, it's, very mar- it's a very martini place. So it's been fun to just kind of create these, these elegant kind of um, almost oyster bar style cocktails. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. And we've brought a, back a lot of the classics, and, uh, um, which has been fun. I love sherry cocktails. I'm a huge fan of sherry and drinks. So that's something I've tried to focus on, bringing some unusual wines and liquors uh, into, into cocktails just to keep, just keep it interesting. Yeah. You know what I've been doing? Uh, I have been going through the uh, cocktail uh, recipes in Talia Baiocchi's Sherry Book. Oh, cool. And they're really good. Yeah. And I cooked some of the food recipes. Usually a book like that, I'll just read the, like, the information. and like, oh, and there's some, there's some recipes here, too. Mm-hmm. But I've actually, now that I've had a little bit more time on my hands these days, I've been... I've been uh, going through those and they are they are really good recipes and I'm with you I'm a believer in sherry cocktails absolutely they're awesome yeah. um, alright uh, we that is all in for our, for our time I do want to say I've been to multiple awesome events at uh, the uh, the venue that uh, that these guys have on Greenwich in the West Village um, you can have David's amazing beverages and Joey and Mikey's delicious delicious food it's a beautiful
full space if you're looking for an event in the West Village. Um, and so. uh, yeah, it's it's so much fun. It's a great it's a great place. And uh, you guys should go visit these restaurants and drink some drink some great wine, eat some great food. Uh, really cozy. And if it is snowing, you will see me at a table at a corner table in the Little Owl because it is like the most charming place in the world. I'll uh, see you there. Uh, I want to thank everyone for listening. I want to thank David and everyone at uh, Heritage. And uh, this has been In the Drink on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. listening to heritage radio network food radio supported by you for our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events subscribe to our newsletter enter your email at the bottom of our website heritageradionetwork.org connect with us on facebook instagram and twitter at heritage underscore radio heritage radio network is a non-profit organization driving conversations to make the world a better fairer more delicious place And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.